This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Sunshine today, high near 71. Mostly clear tonight, low around 43. Patchy fog Friday morning, otherwise mostly sunny, high near 72. Yesterday, the New York State Police Traffic Incident Management Unit Troop C of Sydney issued a total of 25 tickets in Broome County during an Operation Hard Hat Detail. Troopers monitored traffic in Route 17 in the town of Sanford, where road crews were doing bridge work. During the detail, troopers blended in with the workers and watched for unsafe behavior. The 25 tickets issued included nine for speeding, six for seatbelt violations, and ten for other violations. The New York State Police advised motorists to drive responsibly in work zones. Make sure to follow the posted signage, put down any distractions, slow down, and move over to another lane when it is safe to do so. An old pedestrian bridge on Interstate 81 in the town of Dickinson is expected to be removed next month. The State Department of Transportation ordered the walkway closed last January. It connects Old Front Street with Bevere Street near Ossiningle Park. Town Supervisor, Mar- Supervisor Michael Marionacho said it's going to be coming down in a couple of weeks. He told WNBF News much of the demolition, demolition work will be done at night. A Western New York firm last month submitted a low bid of $534,000 to remove the bridge. Marionacho said the DOT's Andrew Stiles advised him of the work schedule for the project. The town supervisor said it's going to be noisy in Sunrise Terrace for about a week or so while the demolition work is underway. Stiles previously had said winter maintenance of the structure had become increasingly hazardous, so the decision was made to close the bridge. A new pathway for pedestrians opened last year as part of the Front Street Reconstruction Project. A Binghamton man has been charged with burglaries at two residences in the town of Fenton. On Monday, September 18th, sheriff's deputies responded to an address on Shenango Street in the town of Fenton for a burglary complaint. Upon arrival, responding deputies established that the homeowner had found an unknown man in a second-floor office room of his home around 1.30 a.m. The homeowner began yelling for the intruder to leave, at which point the intruder exited the home on foot, traveling toward the intersection of Shenango Street and Nolan Road. The homeowner called 911 after dis- discovering that a laptop computer and several other electronics were missing from his residence. Broome County Sheriff's deputies gathered a description of the intruder, which was then shared with dispatch and other nearby responding units. Deputies apprehended individ- an individual matching the suspect's description. In the suspect's possession was a drawstring bag containing the missing laptop and the other items that the victim had reported stolen. As a result of the investigation, Mitchell Paul Jr. of Binghamton was arrested and charged with three Class C felonies and one Class A misdemeanor. New York State Governor Kathy Hochul has signed a bill setting the state's presidential primary for April 2nd, potentially putting former President Donald Trump on the ballot as he stands trial in Manhattan for a hush money criminal case. The new primary date was approved yesterday by Hochul. 
It could add a new layer to an increasingly chaotic calendar for Trump next year as the Republican front-runner navigates court cases in multiple states while seeking a return to the White House. His New York trial is set to start on March 25th. Though the date could change, it may place Trump in court as the state's Republican voters pick their next presidential candidate. Pennsylvania State Senate wants to move up the state's 2024 primary election by five weeks to March 19. Lawmakers touted the move as a way to avoid a conflict with the Jewish holiday of Passover and to give voters more of a say in decided presidential nominees. The bill passed yesterday 45 to 2, although it still requires passage in the Senate House of Representatives. Under the bill, the primary election would move from April 23rd to March 19th. That date falls after primaries in other big delegate states. Pennsylvania is a premier battleground in the presidential elections, but it hasn't hosted a competitive presidential primary since 2008. A judge in New York has dismissed all charges against a Vermont deputy who was involved in a chaotic sidewalk brawl that ended when he was shot multiple times by police. Judge James Murphy cited misconduct and inadequate instructions given to a grand jury in his decision yesterday. The incident took place in Saratoga Springs in November of 2022. Vito Casanova was indicted in March in charges, including attempted murder and possessing a firearm in a sensitive location. He pleaded not guilty. Murphy says that despite the dismissal of charges, the district attorney may present the case to a new grand jury. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We sell the ultimate driving machine at Galt BMW. First news bring up time. News Radio 1290. WNBF. So it starts recording.
Bob Joseph. You're listening to Binghamton Now on Thursday morning, September 21st, 2023. Welcome to our program. We'll be taking your phone calls at 607-772-1290. So those who have an interest in speaking about local issues, you certainly are entitled to. And the number is 607-772-1290. We'll delve into some local topics, and I'm sure we'll wind up talking about you-know-who as well, inevitably. We also have uh, some special guests on the program today. And we'll see uh, what breaking news could develop. You just never know. Just never know. Everything starts off normally on a Thursday morning. And before you know it, everything changes in the blink of an eye. So we'll see what happens. It's 913. Let's take a phone call. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Carol from JC. I don't think I was ever the... I think maybe once I was the first caller. Uh, you didn't let me finish talking about uh, Linda Jackson yesterday because... You got on your soapbox and started rehashing all the things that were said. And the one thing that I wanted to say, really wanted to say, was that uh, Akshar said, I keep wanting to call him senator also. <laughs> uh, the uh, one thing that he said was that Gary, what's, what's the uh, police chief's name in Andy Patrick? Gary? Gary? Mm-hmm. Okay. He said, and I, I don't know if you have podcasts that you can listen or whatever, he said that uh, Chief Gary knew about the whole thing that was going on. And to be perfectly honest, I don't even know what was going on because I came in on the tail end of whatever. Was there some uh, crime committed in Endicott that uh, Axar came in, if you don't mind repeating what? Well, essentially it was a special detail following some high-profile cases in Endicott. There were... Two or three, two or two or three, there were two or three homicides in Endicott in a short span, and then there were some other things. So, the sheriff. So he was just called in, like for a consultation. It wasn't. I I didn't say he was called in. No, no, I, I, no, I'm just. I don't know. I don't know. He didn't say who called him in. He would let me talk. I don't know. I didn't know if there was some like uh, that they broke. Not broke in, but uh, there was some uh, invasion as to some drug dealings that were going on. I didn't hear of any invasion. No, I'm just. Would you let me finish? I just wanted to know if that was what was going on because I did not catch what was going on in the beginning. If they aided in some a crime that was just committed, no. Or if he was called in on a consultation to review all the crimes that were committed, no. No what? No. So no that's what? that's all I can say. That's all I can say. And we, the short answer is no. And thank you for your call, Carol. Right now, though, I have a scheduled guest at 9.15 here on WNBF and WNBF.com. Calling in punctually, Hillary Rosick, teacher in the Maine Endwell School District. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Are you a teacher at Homer Brink? I am. What a great school. It is a wonderful school. 
But today we're combining Homer Brink with Maine Memorial. That's right. You have something yes. special going on today. Tell our listeners what's taking place today for some of the students in the Maine Endwell School District. Well, we are bringing together both ends of our district, our, our fifth graders, um, in a children's peace fair to celebrate coming back to school and starting the year off right um, with some peaceful activities and mindful activities, meeting new kids and going into the year with optimism and hope. That's a great idea. And tell me a little bit about the planning that went into this. Well, um, three teachers were moved to an enrichment position this past year. It's me, um, Jim Tokus, and Bree Burkhart. And they have tasked us with doing enrichment activities throughout the school year. And one of the things they wanted to do was um, get both ends of our district together as fifth graders. So when they move to the middle school, the transition is smoother. And we thought um, on this International Day of Peace, it would be the perfect time to have our uh, back-to-school get-together focusing on peaceful activities. Um, so we have about, we've been planning this since last spring. Uh, we have 21 different booths set up of activities and things kids can participate in after they um, watch a, um, it's a magic show focused on positive words with David Black Entertainment. He will kick it off with his presentation and then the kids will move throughout these stations and booths and then they'll have lunch together. We've, we're planting a ginkgo tree and then we're doing a quiet peace walk around our solar field, which powers our entire district. Oh yeah, I remember when they were put, putting in the solar facility. That was the last time actually, I was at Maine Memorial. It was a few years ago when they were constructing the solar facility next to the school. Yes, and they just paved it this past week. Uh, so that's going to make our walk around it even more amazing. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I'll take a ride to Maine to see, yeah, to see what it looks like. Yeah. yeah. So, well, I think this is a great idea. And I see from a previous story uh, from News Channel 34 and BinghamtonHomePage.com, this could be the only children's peace fair in the country. That's what I am told. Yeah. I'm told this is the only children's peace fair in the country. There are other peace fairs, but this one we're focusing on children and positivity. We're coming from a positive standpoint. We're focusing on peace, not on protest. We're going to go forward positively in developmentally appropriate ways. Well, like they say, give peace a chance. That's right. <laughs> Well, Hillary Rosick, thank you for joining us. I know the children will be arriving soon at Maine Memorial, so it should be Absolutely. a very busy morning. And yep. uh, I extend my thanks to everybody at the Maine Endwell School District, including all the great teachers at Homer Brink. As I told you, I, for better or worse, I got my start at Homer Brink back, we'll say, yeah. a few years ago. And I, I think <laughs> I think I think the the half days I spent with Mrs. Blackwell in kindergarten, yeah. I, I think she set me off on on the right direction, and the the impact oh, that she she had on my life back then, those many years ago, even plays out today. Well, that's wonderful to hear because I'm a kindergarten teacher at heart. I spent 25 years as a kindergarten teacher, and now I'm in the enrichment position. So those babies. They need a good start, so I'm so glad to hear that you got one there. Absolutely. I wish you the best. Wish everybody 
at the uh, Peace Fair, the Children's Peace Fair at Maine Memorial, uh, the best. And hopefully this is an idea that will spread. I hope so. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. You too. It's 920 at News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. I'm Bob Joseph. We have a lot to talk about today. We'll be taking phone calls and interspersed with phone calls. We have some guests. It's a busy morning. Yesterday, there were no guests scheduled. Today, we have at least three. Hey, you never know on this program. Every day, always an opportunity for some open phone segments, but also, uh, when appropriate, we have guests. So stay tuned. Some interesting guests to come right here on News Radio, WNBF, and WNBF.com. They were looking for an exit to eternal summer slacking, but where were they going without ever knowing the way? Future 86 or old 17? These are the questions. Uh, 607-772-1290, WNBF. Well, as I told you, we would probably talk about you-know-who, and that's the former guy's... Former guy Jr. His uh, Twitter account was hacked. Um, The former guy... TFG Jr.'s account on Twitter was hacked, sending a series of highly offensive tweets, including one that was truly sickening. Paraphrasing from a story in the New York Post by Melissa Koenig. I won't even tell you what they said. Except uh, the hacker wrote, I'm just going to read the first part, I'm sad to announce dot dot dot. So... Nobody is safe. Nobody is safe. A series of obviously hacked messages quickly followed on the former Guy Jr.'s account, including an inflammatory one that said something truly sad, and another one pretending to show that the former Guy Jr. said he had some interesting messages from some other former guy. Other tweets on his account said, well, you know what they said, called him. Bad words, very bad words. Another uh, claiming that a guy who <laughs> was accused of stealing a lot of money from investors is innocent. The tweets were removed from the former Guy Jr.'s page just before 9 a.m. Wednesday. The former Guy's, or excuse me, the former Guy Jr.'s spokesman tweeted that the earlier messages were obviously not true, confirming the account had been hacked. It's unclear whether the former guy, Jr., had two-factor authentication enabled and whether the hacker 
may have been able to access his personal messages. Now, that would be interesting if they started releasing personal stuff about the former guy, Jr., that they obtained from his count. Hmm. Sort of what happened to the president's son, where they released private stuff that was not supposed to be on the New York Post. So who knows, maybe the person who did the hacking of the former guy Jr.'s Twitter feed, maybe they'll provide confidential information to the New York Post, and the New York Post can print that stuff on the front page. According to the New York Post story, the incident raises fresh, fresh questions about the platform's ability to secure user accounts ahead of the election. And Twitter is still under investigation by the FTC over its ability to protect user data and whether it may have violated binding commitments made previously to secure the platform. Oh, by the way, the uh, New York Post tried to uh, get a comment from Twitter, but a spokesperson said um, he... was busy now, and please check back later. <laughs> That's a great spokesperson. Sorry, I'm busy now. Why don't you um, leave me alone? It's 929 at News Radio, WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available using the convenient WNBF app. Good morning. Bob Joseph live on a Wednesday morning, one of the final days of the summer of 2023. This is News Radio for the Twin Tiers, WNBF. Thirty-four at WNBF, the weather forecast. Some patchy fog this morning. A sultry, no, it's not sultry. It's, um, it's almost a, hmm, hmm, mysterious, mysterious Thursday morning with the fog. Uh, otherwise, today will be sunny, nice, 72. Tomorrow, sunny, 72. And Saturday, cloudy with a chance of showers, 66 right now. In downtown Binghamton, it's 48 at WNBF. Morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? It's John from Binghamton, and you proved uh, without a doubt that Carol King does indeed write clunker songs. <laughs> well, I don't like the lyrics. I just like the, the tune. I What I always thought about that song is with better lyrics, it could have gone somewhere. There was just something about the music that en en enthralled me, the lyrics not so much. The this whole thing about 
Smackwater Jack and blah blah woof woof. I never never found that to be any anywhere on par with many of her biggest hit songs. Musically though, I I enjoyed the music. I just thought, you know, maybe maybe they could have called Bernie Topin or somebody or Taylor Swift, you know, to come up with uh, a bunch of lyrics that would be more palatable. Well, it was no bad, bad Leroy Brown. That's for sure. <laughs> it certainly wasn't W-O-L-D by Harry Chapin or Harry Chapin with his uh, Scranton Banana Truck song. Yeah. Now, those were, those were um, stories either based on real incidents or, in the case of W-O-L-D, real radio situations. Yeah, yeah, I was... Uh... I was on the phone with them when they were cutting that, uh, the string section. Anyway, what I called about is the Broome County Ethics Board. Uh, each uh, county employee, uh, you know, ranking department head legislator is required to fill out a ethics form. Uh, the uh, Broome County has an appointed three-person panel that comprises the ethics board. And so I requested uh, the filings, and I've been given the runaround. Uh, apparently, the county is now claiming that county regulations uh, can supersede the New York State Freedom of Information Law, which I find an interesting uh, position, perhaps untenable. Well, as as they would say, interesting if true. Yeah, and... Uh, so essentially people put down the gifts that they receive and they have to comply with it. You know, it's odd, you know, these people take office in January and then the forms for the ethics aren't due until April. They aren't looked over. They're placed in a sealed envelope. So I had this happen once before and essentially the county's claiming, well, the ethics panel will meet in 60 days to go over the request and then meet with the person who filled out the form to see if they want anything redacted. Now, I, I did have this happen once before, and I let it slide. I'm not going to let it slide this time. I think it's preposterous uh, that someone that fills out an ethics form uh, relative to their conflicts of interest and holdings would then be allowed to meet in a closed-door session with the ethics panel to see if they want to take anything out of that form or redact it. That, that, that defeats the purpose of the form at all in transparency. I think it's interesting that over the years, there have been a lot of ethical questions surrounding local government officials. If you look back over the last 50 or 60 years, uh, ethical questions have, have been raised frequently, but Rarely, in my opinion, just as an observer, not as an investigator, but rarely do these ethical questions ever seem to be fully addressed. They sometimes are brought up, could be brought up by individual residents. Sometimes they're brought up um, by callers to talk shows or brought up by uh, news accounts. But don't you get the impression, John, from Binghamton that uh, when ethical questions come up, not just, say, in Broome and Tauga counties, but New York State in general, or even Pennsylvania, since many of our listeners are residents of the Keystone State, don't you get the impression when ethical questions are raised regarding public officials that 
there's a flurry of activity, perhaps initially, and questions raised and occasional responses, but they never seem to be sufficiently addressed. Exactly. And one of the reasons is, and I, I, I told you this once before, women politicians have the option of going by their married name or their hyphenated maiden married name. And because of that, and I once brought this up to Donald Lepardo, I felt that your maiden name, if you were a woman candidate, should be listed. And as I've said before, if you knew Debbie Preston's maiden name, if a voter knew that, then the due diligence that that would bring up would have precluded her from running from county executive. And, you know, here's the interesting point, and not to, not to bring him up, but he did do this. Paul Battisti represented Debbie Preston, uh, not just at the court appearance, but prior to that, when she was in negotiations with the town of Conklin to cover the matter up. And I don't blame her for that. I blame the officials, particularly the town attorney at that time for the town of Conklin, who engineered uh, this attempted cover-up of uh, this outstanding balance on a town of Conklin credit card. So uh, I don't know what kind of advice Paul Battisti gave Debbie Preston, but to me, to me, after she was elected from the interregnum there, from November to the time she took office, that matter was easily solvable. All Debbie Preston had to do, if she was creditworthy, was go to an institution for some sort of consolidation loan or even borrow it from a private individual or a group of private individuals. The town of Conklin would have been made whole. She would have took office, and you never would have heard about it again. So whoever instructed her and advised her to try to make minimum payments and not surrender the town of Conklin credit card, even though she was no longer a town official and keep charging on it, was completely insane. So that person uh, is either one or two people, the town of Conklin attorney at that time or her attorney at that time, Paul Battisti. So, now, I never you know, understood how it got to that point. And I'm, uh, for our listeners, this goes back about seven years. And I'm looking at some of the news accounts from the fall and early winter of 2016. And so this thing with the town of Conklin credit card that had been used by Supervisor Preston, uh, for example, a story by John Roby at the press said, uh, it carried a $23,000 balance for at least nine months before the bulk was finally paid off and then the account was closed. And this is back in the day when the press was covering stuff like this. Uh, actually, they obtained the documents through um, a freedom of information law request. And I, I see somebody also had slipped some uh, information, I believe, to Jim... Emke at News Channel 34 said leaked emails. Actually, it doesn't say Jim's name on the on the story, but leaked emails show that she used the town's credit card for personal purposes. I surmise, even though Jim's name isn't on the story, he probably wrote it. Interestingly, 
And again, I don't like to dwell on corruption in Broome County. John, you know that's not me. But it says, uh, as part of that News Channel 34 story, and here it is seven years later, puts things in a somewhat different context. DA Steve Cornwell tells News Channel 34 that a criminal investigation into her use of the town credit card has been conducted and the findings will be presented to a special prosecutor. And now it's interesting. And again, you know, I don't judge. I just report. I am, I'm glad I'm not a judge because I'm, I'm uniquely unqualified to judge, but I just report. But isn't, isn't it interesting, John, in the fullness of time, some of the characters that, that have been part of the rich tapestry of Broome County government? Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, you know uh, what, what's interesting, and, and the reason that I, I'm checking these ethics forms is I want to find out uh, more about this land sale because the the guy that's engineering this uh, 300 acre or more uh, land uh, sale to the IDA is indeed a county employee. So as as, as well as a part time village of Johnson City justice, he he uh, is a legatee uh, to that uh, that uh, parcel. So. You know, uh, Bob, I got to tell you the truth. There are a a few honest business professional people, fine people, honorable people. But in Broome County, there is a whole lot of people uh, that are crooks and a lot of big time crooks, whether it be uh, uh, Kilmer Swamp Oil or what have you, a lot of big time crooks got their start right here in Broome County. So we well, that's, how money, to- that's how money is made. By the way, you know, not to leave them out, just because they don't have a local radio news department, um, Tioga County has an ethics law. I just looked up Tioga County's ethics law, and guess how many pages the ethics law for Tioga County now encompasses? I have no idea. 30. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I would love, I'm, I'm just reading the first page and looking, of course, the first page is purpose and definitions. I don't know. I, I'm familiar with quite a few people in Tioga County. And I, if I read through this 30-page ethics law, I have a sense that, that not many of them would not appear to be in possible violation of provisions of this law. I, I, notice I chose my words very carefully. I'm not I'm not saying they have violated the ethics law. I'm saying it might appear that they have violated aspects of the law. Uh, you know, it would, would take further further scrutiny, but I don't I don't foresee that happening. Well, what's interesting is when you look at IDAs across the state and you look at their application forms for benefits, and this is the tax-free benefits and the sales tax, all, all that. When you look at the individual IDAs, you'll see a vast differential of what uh, the IDAs require uh, from the developers. And uh, Broome County has a more relaxed form uh, than Tompkins County. In other words, what I'm saying to you is this, that the People that get special favors in Broome County, uh, and and some of them have indeed developed in uh, uh, Tompkins County, 
would not get those benefits because the form that they would have to fill out would lead to some embarrassing responses. So it's almost as if the IDA says, well, we've got a bunch of crooks here. We've got a bunch of compromised people. Let's engineer the application form. Let's tailor it up uh, to suit uh, our existing uh, crooks here. You know, the kind of people that have big businesses and don't think twice about going bankrupt. Appreciate your call. Thank you very much. 947 WNBF, as always, all are welcome. And that includes elected officials, people who are current officials, former officials, uh, candidates, people who are just considering running for office. You know the number, 607-772-1290. Remember, your call is important to me. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF. Where Where news news breaks breaks first. News News Radio Radio 1290 WNBF. Flash News. Rupert Murdoch stepping down as chairman of Fox Corporation and News Corp. Ending a decades-long run that saw him become the driving force in American conservative media through Fox News. This is according to the Washington Post and several other Fine media outlets are also reporting that Rupert Murdoch is leaving, leaving the Fox. And his uh, son, Lachlan Murdoch, will become the sole chair. Let's punch up the story on um, Wall Street Journal, which is a proud member of the Murdoch media family. Uh, The Journal reports that Murdoch will exit his roles atop each company as of November when they hold annual meetings. He will be appointed chairman emeritus of each company. And his eldest son, Lachlan Murdoch, who has served as co-chair of News Corp, will become sole chair of that company and will continue as the Fox Corporation executive chair and CEO in a, a memo. To uh, Fox staffers, he said, for my entire professional life, I have been engaged daily with news and ideas, and that will not change. But the time is right for me to take on different roles. Excuse me, not different roles, different roles. His decision to step back solidifies Lachlan Murdoch as his successor. He called his son a passionate, principled leader who can take the companies into the future. Who knows, maybe he'll hire Ted Koppel and Keith Uberman. Murdoch is one of a handful of media barons, along with the likes of John Malone, Ted Turner, and Sumner Redstone, who shaped the modern era of media. He has wielded influence in political and financial capitals, earning credit from his boosters and blame from his critics. Murdoch has remained active in his later years, pursuing big deals to reshape his company. So again, uh, Rupert Murdoch is going to step down after so many years in charge of a global media empire. WNBF Live. Hey, hey, you think you got 
Well, as Brian Stelter points out on Twitter, Rupert Murdoch always said he would never, ever retire. And today is the closest step to retiring that he'll ever take. So while he is relinquishing daily control of that massive media empire called the Fox, he is still going to be chairman emeritus. So one can still imagine, and I certainly can't imagine this, that Rupert Murdoch could still call in directly, say like this. You call in to the... Oh, <laughs> I think I misdialed. Anyway, well, let's try it one more time. So say I'm Rupert Murdoch and I see something on the Fox channel that I don't like. <laughs> so hard to operate a phone these days, isn't it? And you call the number and you call the control room. Of course, you're calling the Fox Channel control room, so they're probably wait for Janine to answer. All right, obviously they're not going to answer. But anyway, even though he's stepping down and relinquishing day-to-day -day control of the Fox Channel, you can bet he still will call into the control room at times and say, "Hey, I have an idea." Stop talking about that guy and start talking more about this guy. So he still will wield enormous power, even if he isn't hovering around the newsroom on a daily basis. <sighs> Just a thought. That's my thought. Let's see. Looking at some of the comments on the New York Times story about Rupert Murdoch. Oh, Roger from New York City wrote, Murdoch will be recorded for posterity as one of history's most destructive forces. The media empire he built has caused untold pain and harm to countless numbers of people worldwide by fostering and disseminating regressive, selfish government policies and broadcasting dangerous conspiracy theories and outright lies. <laughs> well, obviously, Roger from New York City is not a fan. Uh, Zerari from Tampa wrote on the New York Times comment board, Yep, Murdoch's legacy will be enduring, sowing widespread and baseless mistrust of election results among conservative voters, triggering ugly intimidation of election workers, debasing print and TV journalism by actively promoting favored political candidates and colluding with their campaigns. Paying millions to primetime anchors who foment hatred based on skin color or sexual orientation or political leaning, exploiting the weakening of fairness doctrine and cross-platform ownership laws. Ooh. Allowing a toxic workplace culture of harassment and assault by both on-air broadcasters and off-air executives. I wonder if this person used to work at the Fox Channel. Unprecedented and shameful abuse of privacy laws, hacking the phones of actors and celebrities, just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> what else? I'm looking for someone on the Fox or on the uh, New York Times comment 
section who has something nice to say about him. I, I haven't encountered a nice comment yet. Lou from Chicago wrote, a good question to ask here is whether the Dominion settlement was just a nail in the coffin here. Though, like all good ghouls, Murdoch isn't nearly done haunting the media landscape. So a lot of people are using the announcement by Rupert Murdoch that he's stepping down from his leadership roles at the uh, the big media empire. And they're using that to come out and tell us how they really think about the guy. Of course, yeah, that Dominion lawsuit, that was... $787 million. That wasn't good. I'm sure the shareholders didn't like that agreement. It's 10 o'clock. Bob Joseph live on WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Sunshine today, high near 71. Mostly clear tonight, low around 43. Patchy fog Friday morning, otherwise mostly sunny, high near 72. Yesterday, the New York State Police Traffic Incident Management Unit Troop C of Sydney issued a total of 25 tickets in Broome County during an Operation Hard Hat Detail. Troopers monitored traffic in Route 17 in the town of Sanford, where road crews were doing bridge work. During the detail, troopers blended in with the workers and watched for unsafe behavior. The 25 tickets issued included nine for speeding, six for seatbelt violations, and ten for other violations. The New York State Police advised motorists to drive responsibly in work zones, make sure to follow the posted signage, put down any distractions, slow down, and move over to another lane when it is safe to do so. An old pedestrian bridge on Interstate 81 in the town of Dickinson is expected to be removed next month. The State Department of Transportation ordered the walkway closed last January. It connects Old Front Street with Bevere Street near Ossiningal Park. Town Supervisor, Mar Supervisor Michael Marinaccio said it's going to be coming down in a couple of weeks. He told WNBF News much of the demolition, demolition work will be done at night. A Western New York firm last month submitted a low bid of $534,000 to remove the bridge. Marianacho said the DOT's Andrew Stiles advised him of the work schedule for the project. The town supervisor said it's going to be noisy in Sunrise Terrace for about a week or so while the demolition work is underway. Stiles previously said winter maintenance of the structure had become increasingly hazardous, so the decision was made to close the bridge. A new pathway for pedestrians opened last year as part of the Front Street Reconstruction Project. A Binghamton man has been charged with burglaries at two residences in the town of Fenton. On Monday, September 18th, sheriff's deputies responded to an address on Shenango Street in the town of Fenton for a burglary complaint. Upon arrival, responding deputies established that the homeowner had found an unknown man in a second-floor office room of his home around 1.30 a.m., the homeowner began yelling for the intruder to leave, at which point the intruder exited the home on foot, traveling toward the intersection of Shenango Street and Nolan Road. The homeowner called 911 after just discovering that a laptop computer and several other electronics were missing from his residence. Broome County Sheriff's deputies gathered a description of the intruder, which was then shared with dispatch and other nearby responding units. 
Deputies apprehended an individual matching the suspect's description. In the suspect's possession was a drawstring bag containing the missing laptop and the other items that the victim had reported stolen. As a result of the investigation, Mitchell Paul Jr. of Binghamton was arrested and charged with three Class C felonies and one Class A misdemeanor. New York State Governor Kathy Hochul has signed a bill setting the state's presidential primary for April 2nd, potentially putting former President Donald Trump on the ballot as he stands trial in Manhattan for a hush money criminal case. The new primary date was approved yesterday by Hochul. It could add a new layer to an increasingly chaotic calendar for Trump next year as the Republican front-runner navigates court cases in multiple states while seeking a return to the White House. His New York trial is set to start on March 25th. Though the date could change, it may place Trump in court as the state's Republican voters pick their next presidential candidate. Pennsylvania State Senate wants to move up the state's 2024 primary election by five weeks to March 19. Lawmakers touted the move as a way to avoid a conflict with the Jewish holiday of Passover and to give voters more of a say in decided presidential nominees. The bill passed yesterday 45 to 2, although it still requires passage in the Senate House of Representatives. Under the bill, the primary election would move from April 23rd to March 19th. That date falls after primaries in other big delegate states. Pennsylvania is a premier battleground in the presidential elections, but it hasn't hosted a competitive presidential primary since 2008. A judge in New York has dismissed all charges against a Vermont deputy who was involved in a chaotic sidewalk brawl that ended when he was shot multiple times by police. Judge James Murphy cited misconduct and inadequate instructions given to a grand jury in his decision yesterday. The incident took place in Saratoga Springs in November of 2022. Vito Casanova was indicted in March in charges, including attempted murder and possessing a firearm in a sensitive location. He pleaded not guilty. Murphy says that despite the dismissal of charges, the district attorney may present the case to a new grand jury. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF. WNBF Live in Living Color. 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. Join us now in the studio are Bernie Donashi and Tom Rollison. A big event is coming to Vestal tomorrow. And basically it's an opportunity 
to uh, celebrate a great championship season that happened 50 years ago. Gentlemen, welcome to WNBF. Thank you. Thanks, Bob. So uh, first, um, tell us both just a little bit about yourselves because uh, I know at the moment neither of you is living here in Broome County, but you certainly have a lot of great memories of our area and certainly going to Vestal High School back in the day, back in the 70s. Yeah, so uh, you're right, Bob. I live in Atlanta or right outside Atlanta and uh, have never really lost touch with Vestal and keeping up with it, still have family here. Um, and a lot of friends from back in the day, we all stay in touch. So uh, just glad to be back and celebrate this big event. Yeah, and, and my name is uh, Tom Rollison, mm -hmm. and I've been in Pittsburgh for almost 40 years uh, working in the steel industry and uh, echo Bernie's feelings. While we've been gone, uh, this team stayed close, and we're all very excited about this weekend. Well, tell us what happened in 1973, 50 years ago. Uh, well, we were uh, we had a good team. We had a great coaching staff, a lot of good players, um, and it started out with uh, beating one of our bigger rivals, Ithaca, who was on a 35-game winning streak. And uh, we went up to Ithaca, and, and we we ended the streak for them, and we started a 35-game winning streak uh, for the Golden Bears. And of course, as you mentioned, tomorrow night we're playing UE. UE was our biggest rival and a good bunch of guys. We always enjoyed playing them. Um, but it was, it was just a special time for, as a kid, to grow up in the area and, and be on such a good program. And we were, uh, of course, 9-0, and and we were Vestal's first ever state champion team. It must have been so special for, for everybody involved. I mean, the players, uh, other students, staff, administrators, and certainly for the community. It, it was special. It was it was special, but it's interesting. It's it's almost like uh, it's almost like wine or cheese. As you get older, it becomes more special, and you can keep savoring it. That's right. They can never take away your memories, and you you were able to experience it. Tell us what'll be happening tomorrow at Dick Hoover Stadium. Okay, well, tomorrow we're having an event uh, that starts at 4 o'clock, and we're going to have a team meeting where we're going to recognize all our players. And by the way, we're having upwards of 40 people from this team attending out of a possible 57. Uh, six of our players have passed away. But we'll recognize each player. We're going to dedicate a special monument in DeCouver Park that will uh, commemorate the season, the team, the coaches. And then we're also proud to present a legacy check to Vestal High School, which we will do tomorrow. And then that'll be followed by an event just for the players. So looking forward to it. That sounds exciting. Tell me a little bit about the planning that went into this event. It's, uh, I think it's nice when people are able to come back and get together um, decades later to commemorate a special time, but these things can't just happen. A lot of people have to work to pull it off. Yeah, it, it actually started last year. The, the 97 Vestal team uh, celebrated their 25th anniversary, uh, and they were kind enough to invite us as well as the 75 team. Uh, afterwards, a group of guys were getting together and they said, you know, next year will be 50 years. Let's start planning something. So a number of guys got together, planned it. Um, Josh Gannon, the AD at Vestal, has been instrumental in helping us. Uh, but it's, it's taken almost a year to, to get everybody uh, together. We, we contacted 
uh, of the 51 surviving players, we've been in touch with 50 of them. And as Tom said, we have over 40 that are showing up. I think it's just exciting. It's exciting. Now, as uh, you know, I, I lived across the river, just across the river from Vestal. And I have to say, it was always fun when, when the two teams, when Vestal and UE would get together, regardless of who was hosting the game that year. It was fun. I, I played um, in the marching band, so I was at some of the games, and it, it was just the excitement because of that, that big rivalry that still persists. Yeah, so you were part of the Tiger Pride, as they used to call yeah. them. A very good band. They, they were good teams. Um, they, were, they were a great bunch of guys. Uh, we only hated them one day a year. And, oh, and, and it, was, it was a lot of fun going over to UE playing or having them come over. And, and like Dick Hoover, Fran Angeline was an unbelievably legend, good coach. Legendary coaches. Yes. And, yes. and both, both schools were, were very fortunate to have them for as long as they did. Yes. And we'd also like to credit Josh Gannon because he, I think he's trying to recreate the pride that everyone had in the football programs and the athletic programs in general. And when you look back at those years when 14,000 people would come to a UE Vestal game, uh, there certainly was tremendous pride involved that lasted all year. And I, I just uh, hadn't thought a whole lot about those times until the, the last couple of weeks when uh, we were making arrangements for you to come in and talk about this special event that will take place tomorrow. But just those memories, even though I didn't play on the football team, just the fact that I was a, a student at UE and was fortunate to play in the marching band and, and share in the excitement, not just the excitement of um, the games themselves, but say in the days or even the weeks leading up to the, the contest. It was always something that uh, students and teachers and people in the community w would look forward to. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I think we all recognize the fact that the, the rivalry went beyond the football teams. It was the communities, the schools, the teachers. I mean, everybody, everybody recognized the rivalry and got behind the, the team spirit of it all. So it, it was a great time. I, I'm sure that, although I don't live here, I'm sure they still have it today. And when we played UE, it was always the last game of the season, and it was always for the stack championship or the state championship. And uh, like I said, they even had to switch bleachers back and forth between the teams to get everybody in those stadiums. I just punched up the story that John Fox wrote uh, after the Ithaca game. The head headline says, nobody sells Vestal short after 28 to nothing. It said the seesaw balance of power is clearly back on the Vestal side at last with a decided thump. I used to enjoy reading those stories by John Fox. Yeah, he was he was wonderful. We all we all would look at the Sun Bulletin or the Evening Press and see what John Fox had to say, and that that uh, nobody sells on there. That's in reference to uh, our fullback Bill Selsmeyer, who went on to play at Penn State, a great player. Yes, he he mentions that. I think his uh, 35 game unbeaten run, long, uh, longest in tier history, was just plain overpowered by Bill. Selzmeyer and the rest of the latest Vestal stable. And the, even the Ithaca coach said after the game, they, they licked us from tackle to tackle. He uh, appeared to have taken the defeat with the resignation of a victim who had seen the locomotive coming. I just love 
the writing that John Fox would would uh, offer for for high school sports. Yeah, it was. It, that's a great article, but I'm going to tell you it was it was crazy going on the field for that game because it was the uh, the emotion uh, that was there on that game, and then afterwards to beat them was, you know, I'll never forget it. Special time for all, and it's great that people are able to get together tomorrow at Festal to uh, commemorate the 50th anniversary of the Festal's first state football championship going back to 1973. Yep. Well, thank you. Anything else you wanted to add? Uh, no, Bob. Thanks for, uh, thanks for letting us stop by. Uh, it's good to talk about Vestal football, and, uh, and we hope to see uh, a lot of fans at the game. Yeah, we, we hope everybody comes by to see the monument and uh, root Vestal on to another big victory. Or a tie. <laughs> <laughs> no more ties. We had one of those. Yeah. I'm kidding. I don't like ties. I, <laughs> I want to see. I want to see one one team or the other prevail. I'm not a not a fan of ties. It just doesn't just doesn't feel right at the at the end of the night. Anyway, gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank I hope you. everybody has uh, an enjoyable time at Vestal yeah. High School at Dick Hoover Stadium tomorrow night. Yeah. Thank you. Come on by. I'll try. I'll All try. Right. I think I, I hadn't planned on it, but now. Now I think I'll make plans to be there. It sounds great. Bernie Donishy, Tom Rollison from Vestal High School going back in the day. Live here on News Radio, WNBF, it's 1020. Bob Joseph at 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We're still saving the Southern Tier money at Galt Toyota. Binghamton tradition serving our community for nearly a century. 607-772-1290 is the number. If you'd like to share some of your memories or if you'd like to talk about some current events, we're all ears. And you see, uh, oh good, new security measures are in place at that fine correctional facility in Pennsylvania. What a fine correctional facility it is where uh, Dinello Cavalcanti was able to slither out using his famous crab walk. Now, they say, security measures have been beefed up to try to keep... to try to keep the residents inside so they don't manage to 
get out and create all sorts of concern. So they uh, claim that they have taken significant steps to shore, shore up their security. As they say, better late than never. The acting warden at Chester County said they've added more razor wires. <laughs> well, that could work. Oh, military-grade mesh instead of the generic-grade mesh. Military-grade mesh. Over the gap in the roof that Calvacanti climbed up to escape. Although, and this is a cause for concern, staffing remains an issue at the jail. They're operating at 60% staffing capacity. So my guess is if you want a job, you might be able to go to Chester County, Pennsylvania and apply. Because it seems that they have some openings still available at their jail. So it is... It is sad, you know, that anybody actually manages to escape from, a, not a jail, a correctional facility. But uh, they tell us Danello Calvacanti is no longer allowed to go to that jail in Chester County. They, they have found a, a different place for him that might be more difficult. <laughs> might be more difficult for his future efforts to uh, enjoy the sweet smell of freedom. It's 1027 at WNBF and WNBF.com. Still can't believe some of those tweets from yesterday. Uh, hacked tweets. Nice picture on the front page of today's Press and Sun Bulletin. Thank you to Jeff Platsky for that photo. It's a story about the uh, company from Vermont, the electric supply company, that is trying to fix the old building where I think they used to make shop vac stuff there in that building in Kirkwood. And they're modernizing and renovating that place so they can have a warehouse facility. So that's good. They were going to... Remember that one company that was going to have a hemp hut or hemp... What was it that they were calling? I think Chuck Schumer. What did Chuck Schumer say about the canopy growth thing over at Kirkwood? This is another, another one of those things. That crashed and burned so fast. Oh, here it is. It's interesting because this statement was released by Charles Schumer only four years ago. So it shows you how quickly things can change and how promises that are made by brilliant elected officials, how easily the promises um, turn out to be worthless. Four years ago, this is the official statement from Charles Schumer regarding the groundbreaking of Canopy Growth, the first of its kind $150 million hemp industrial park sited in the heart of Broome County and bringing 400, uh, <laughs> 400 uh, 
good paying jobs and industry growth to the region. Now, in that sense, even though Schumer is a Democrat, he really did sound in many ways very similar to the Republican George Elmer Pataki. All 4,000 jobs are going to be protected and remain here in Endicott for at least the next 10 years. And we're very, very pleased about that. So this is what Senator Schumer, a widely respected member, in fact, widely considered to be a respected member of the U.S. Senate, he released this statement July 2019 after attending the groundbreaking celebration for the Canopy Growth $150 million Industrial Hemp Industrial Park. Now, whoever wrote that, probably an intern, who would write a sentence like that? The $150 million Industrial Hemp Industrial Park. Two industrials. Apparently it was written by AI. Expected to bring at least 400 good-paying jobs to the southern tier and position Broome County at the forefront of the rapidly emerging hemp industry, which I've been here over the last four years. I have yet to see it emerge. Senator Schumer, in his statements, said the celebration is exactly why I fought so hard to pass legislation to relieve remove federal shackles from the industrial hemp industry. This major canopy growth investment will create at least 400 good-paying jobs in Broome County with the potential for hundreds more. And is proof positive that the seeds we have sown preparing for this new industry are ready to harvest. I couldn't be more thrilled to officially welcome canopy to the southern tier and break ground on this first-of-its-kind economy-boosting hemp industrial park, which will position the region at the forefront of the industrial hemp revolution, which apparently wasn't televised. I look forward... <laughs> I look forward to continue working hand-in-hand -hand with this industry leader to help farm the massive potential of industrial hemp. Yeah. Yeah, Senator, tell me about that revolution. Yes. Schumer has been a leader. Blah, blah, and woof, woof. What else does this thing say? Oh, then it tells all about the, the story and the promise of industrial hemp. Remember, think about this, industrial hemp. So we had industrial hemp that was stored over at the Binghamton Plaza Kmart store, I think for well over a year. The people who owned the industrial hemp just left it there, and I think the people who owned the Binghamton Plaza were put into a position of having to get rid of all the rotting industrial hemp. Gannett. I think, had plans to sell their ill-fated printing plant in Johnson City, the $50 million printing plant that operated for 12 years. They tried to sell that to some sort of industrial hemp artist, and that didn't work because of something, some legal 
language, which was probably just as well, because if it had been sold to those hamsters, it probably would have crashed and burned. Uh, 60 Lester Avenue, which is now the Johnson City Village Hall, that was acquired by some Long Island hemp artists, and that crashed and burned. So the promise of hemp has never been realized. I'm not... I'm not blaming anyone. I'm just saying it just never happened. It's okay. I I didn't expect it to happen personally, so it's no no big surprise from here. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Walter from Oligo. Good morning, Walter. Well, Bob, I you know, I, I, I think back, and I know you do too and a lot of listeners, how many times over the last decade politicians have come and uh, uh, excitedly announced uh, 100 jobs here, 400 jobs there, this is coming, this is coming, only to find out it just never happens or didn't happen. And they don't really go back. I know you have on occasion gone back and said, yeah, remember this one, which didn't happen. And I got to be honest with you, I listened to this one today and I think to myself, yeah, yeah, right, we'll see. But, you know, I mean, it's, I hate to be so cynical about it, but what do you think? The record kind of stands for itself. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I could come up probably now. Maybe this is something of an exaggeration, but it might not be an exaggeration. I could probably come up with fifty big time promises for uh, job creation or significant business development uh, over the last half century that uh, never came to fruition. Either never got off the ground in the first place or got off the ground a little bit before they crashed and burned. I mean, the Savin Color Copier Printing Plant at 33 Lewis Road, once the home to the Press and Sun Bulletin before they decided to move out because they don't want a local presence, the um, Savin Copier Plant was supposed to employ 2,000 people, and it only got up to about 500, and that lasted for a short time before the thing went down in flames. I mean, there's so yeah. many, and I, I know it's easy. It's not just easy, but it's all almost fun to keep playing this thing with um, Governor Pataki with his... All 4,000 jobs are going to be protected and remain here in Endicott for at least the next 10 years, and we're... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's what? easy and fun, but... You know, don't these people realize that we keep records of the the promises as they spew them? Absolutely. Yeah, it is. First thing, I'm sure a lot of listeners did as well. You hear that uh, uh, Senator Schumer talking about the uh, industrial hemp industry. I think, yeah, yeah, right. Well, we'll see. So ah, that was my only point this morning, Bob. Well, speaking of a we go, though, remember what happened with the 800 jobs that were going to be part of the presidential helicopter project. And well, I think I right. think Chuck Schumer and Hillary Clinton and every elected official from a 500-mile radius showed up along with me at the Lockheed yep. Martin plant. I mean, I was duped as well. I thought, I thought, oh, well, happy days are here again. And, Absolutely. You know, and, and I'm not blaming, I will not blame, um... 
any of the local politicians for the presidential for the Marine One project going down figuratively in flames because it certainly wasn't Hillary Clinton's fault or Chuck Schumer's fault. That was a complicated thing where the cost of the project right. kept kept getting bigger. And I think Lockheed had a very good point about, well, don't blame us. I mean, the customer keeps adding. That'd be like me going out to buy a, a, a 2024 Yugo, you know, a basic model. And they tell me, Bob, $20,000 will get you this uh, new, the first of its kind, electric-powered Yugo. And then I say, okay, but then I want all these bells and whistles on it. Before you know it, it's going to cost $30,000. It's not... That's not the company's fault. But uh, by the way, speaking of funny headlines in the news, going back to June 13th, 2006, this is why I love the newspaper, because it's it helps to document in black and white the, the, wacky, right. the wacky things that have happened. On the front page of that newspaper, Clinton, referring to Hillary Clinton, who then was U.S. Senator, Clinton sees progress in tier economic development. Senator tours new Gannett plant and Lockheed Copter facilities. So in, in a single front page piece, oh, and there's a home, new home for Marine One ceremonies at Lockheed Martin celebrated. The new 176,000 square foot presidential helicopter integration facility. Oh, I remember it. I was there. There's me in, in the picture. Um, but it, it touts these two things that, uh, look, the, the newspaper printing plant, which had just opened, wait a second, Gannett's new $50 million printing plant in Johnson City um, was about to open and will serve the Present Sun Bulletin, the Ithaca Journal, and Elmira Star Gazette. And Senator Clinton said the investments by both companies are very heartening. And look what Gannett has done since then, since 2006. They, they shut down the Johnson City printing plant. They shut down all their other printing plants in New York State. And now we have a newspaper that is printed the afternoon before in Rockaway, New Jersey. And we have a, a newspaper staff now that I believe consists of two reporters, a sports writer, and the editor who's responsible for several Gannett papers. I mean, that shows the investment that Gannett has has made in our community. Yep, that's a good example. Well, uh, the trend continues in Let me just say, I really do believe that the politicians at that moment in time uh, believe that that's going to happen. I mean, I don't think they're lying. I just think that uh, all the work that it takes to make it happen is, is, is um, they just don't, they underestimate it. So. Well, and, and that's that's accurate. And as much as much fun as I've had with Governor Pataki's comment in 2002 at IBM and Endicott, I don't blame him. And and I think I've said on occasion, actually, Endicott needed a bit of a pep talk because IBM had been on the verge of possibly closing the whole place. And and oh, right. so a lot of people who worked at IBM for decades, along with people in Endicott and Broome County were worried that the whole thing would be shut down. So even though the uh, deal that ultimately was cobbled together was somewhat suspect, at least it gave us more jobs for more time. So I'm not saying, I'm not criticizing the efforts that they made. I'm saying when, whether it's uh, a governor or a U.S. senator or anyone else, they should choose their words carefully because 
sometimes the comments they make don't age well. That's exactly right. Yeah. So I'm well, not. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate your call. And that is the story from a Wego making contemporary news. So one other note, I want to thank again Jeff Plasky for that photo that's on the front page of the Press and Sun Bulletin. That's a nice shot. I don't know what year it was taken, but I think it was probably about four years ago. It's probably right around when Senator Schumer was so enthusiastic about the promise of hemp. Interestingly, if I look at the story here about the company from Vermont that now plans to move in to the old ShopVac factory, I think it says they plan to have 27 jobs, which is good. We need the jobs. Every job in Broome County is important. But compared to 400 or more high-paying jobs that Senator Schumer was talking about just four years ago, you gotta, you gotta admit, somehow there's a, a feeling of being let down just a little bit. Again, I'm not criticizing. I, I hope the uh, company from Vermont does well with its project in. Kirkwood. I also hope that they find someone to buy the old Endicott Kmart building. Because I have a project in mind for that. No, no, not raising shrimp. I know, you're saying, well, didn't that guy say they were going to raise shrimp? No, they're not going to raise shrimp at the Kmart building in Endicott. Come on, man. I have a better idea. An idea that could mean thousands of high-paying jobs. This is Bob Joseph on WNBF and WNBF.com. Hello, my name's Bob. 607-772-1290. Welcome, conversationalist across the fruited plain. You're listening to... WNBF. Every time you kiss me, I'm still not certain that you love me. Every time you hold me, I'm still not certain that you care. Though you keep on saying you really, really, really love me. Do you say the same words to someone else when I'm not there? Suspicions. Oh. Suspicion Orbit my heart Suspicion Keeps us apart Suspicion Why touch me? Uh, Thursday morning on WNBF. I'm here till noon. The legendary Dan Bongino from noon to three. And the thoughtful Sean Hannity will be on from three to six. Right here at WNBF. We love you. So thank you for making us part of your life. Coming up later today on WNBF, we proudly present the Binghamton Rumble Ponies complete fair and balanced coverage. Starts at 6.20 tonight with Jacob Wilkins. So if you enjoy fair and balanced coverage of baseball, you'll hear it right here tonight, 6.20. Direct from New Jersey. As we prepare for the Rumble Ponies to win 
the Northeast Division title. They won decisively on Tuesday night. Uh, if you were there, I was there to witness it, and I enjoyed it. Uh, we'll see how they do tonight. I would say momentum is on the side of the ponies. So the ponies will take on the Patriots, and coverage, again, starts at 6.20 this evening. First pitch at about 6.35 with Jacob Wilkins on WNBF. And then we can prepare for baseball next week in Binghamton. Yes, fall baseball in Binghamton. I don't believe I've ever experienced that. Hi, WNBF, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? John from the Bampton Plaza. Well, hi, John. About, <laughs> I just heard you talking about our hemp situation. Yeah, was was what I said essentially accurate? It's more than accurate, exactly. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, they promised all these all these jobs, everything else. Every politician was here, and, you know, getting their picture taken, everything else, cutting ribbons, you know. But not now the now the Bampton Plaza is not good enough. They want to tear it down when it was already for the hemp when they got all that free money. Yeah, that was you interesting. Know? As as you've mentioned before, there there certainly is a, a and uh, a bit of irony that when mm -hmm. uh, everybody was was uh, on on the hemp bad wagon. They couldn't get enough of the Binghamton Plaza, and and everything was hunky and dory. And now mm -hmm. now that hemp is no longer. Uh, the bright promise that it once was. Now they're they're more than happy to say, "Oh, that'd be nice for a green space. Why don't you, why don't you mm -hmm. Binghamton Plaza people vacate the premises to let us get in there with a big bulldozer?" Correct, but they, you know, they don't understand. You know, half the citizens don't understand what the, what this can be the responsibility of the city. It's going to be a huge, huge thing. I mean, the parks department don't even have enough enough people to take care of. But my point is, I mean, this, you know. It, they condemn this plaza and everything else, but they wanted to put all that in there. The mayor won't go in there and take a look at the, especially the Kmart site, because as you've been in at some of these stores, and we have lost two businesses because of that. And we had, you know, businesses coming here, and they want, they want to open up, but they don't want. They're so worried about what's going to happen. We just lost a, a Chinese takeout restaurant. They wanted to come in here. They're real interested in it, and uh, then they found out that you know we could only give them month to month, month to month lease on it and they said they can't do that they wanted to lease the five-year lease you know they're out of jersey too i mean they have other 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 takeout places you know down that way but right. the daughter's up this way and they wanted to open a place here so what it's happened with the with the most recent court hearings is well, is the the city is extension oh five-month extension is that true right. and that puts us yeah and that puts us out till i believe till beginning of next year and because it happened in August, they got five months, and then then there's six. Then they got, then they can fight it after that for another six months. So it's going to be August when all this time we're setting on you know vacant property that we could you know have have rented out, you know. And we had one of our flea market guys there down there. It was the show place called. He had you know some health problems and stuff, and he decided he was going to leave because of that. So we got another place. Finally, got somebody else that might guy to own the bargain bin. He's going in there, and they're going to open this big called Riverwalk Markets, and they're going to sell like, you know, have flea markets and uh, scratch down appliances, and you know, more of the bargain stuff from Amazon and Walmart's and stuff there that they get discount stuff. You know, have slightly damaged or returns. So, as this eminent domain threat continues, that uh, lingers. What does this mean, though, for for you? You're the property manager. You're John Toka's property we, manager. Right. We really can't lease. At least, you know, pe people for long term, month to month. We got a t-shirt shop. He's doing really well. 
it's Big Drew's T-shirts, right? He's doing really well. You know, he he would like to expand sometime time too because he does uh, drone stuff and all that. Other say say he like to expand, but he don't dare to. He said, I don't want to invest no money in no in this place. He said, unless I know I'm going to have a you know, longer term contract. Nobody's month to month. They're not going to sink no money into it. No. It, well, it sounds frustrating. Very frustrating. And talking about that hemp, I mean, the hemp place, they moved from here. They got all the money from the state here. Then they move up in the old Felchers building. Well, yeah, they move up in the old Felchers building up there in Industrial Park, right? And that goes belly up. All the money the state keeps giving them for that. And now um, Green Mountain Electric is going in that building when they left the other Kmart. All right. Hey, I got to run. I appreciate the update. Keep me posted. Okay, thank you. Thank you. That's John Tokas, property manager of the Binghamton Plaza on the north side on West State Street. Bob Joseph, working to inform the community every weekday morning here on WNBF. News Radio 1290, WNBF. WNBF Live with Bob Joseph, in case you haven't heard it. Yeah, Rupert Murdoch is uh, stepping down as head of the big media empire. In fact, they uh, announced it on the Fox Channel. The Fox News Channel announced it a little bit a while ago. This is um, just a snippet of their official announcement. Our boss, Rupert Murdoch, is transitioning from chair of our parent company, Fox Corporation. In a note to employees today, he says he's decided that in November he will move to the role of chairman emeritus at both Fox and at Fox Corps. He says going forward, his son Lachlan will be the sole chair of both companies. And we join everyone on the planet wishing Rupert Murdoch and Lachlan Murdoch the best in all their future endeavors. I'm Bob Joseph. More to come on this Thursday morning on WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Sunshine today, high near 71. Mostly clear tonight, low around 43. Patchy fog Friday morning, otherwise mostly sunny, high near 72. Yesterday, the New York State Police Traffic Incident Management Unit Troop C of Sydney issued a total of 25 tickets in Broome County during an Operation Hard Hat Detail. Troopers monitored traffic in Route 17 in the town of Sanford, where road crews were doing bridge work. During the detail, troopers blended in with the workers and watched for unsafe behavior. The 25 tickets issued included nine for speeding, six for seatbelt violations, and ten for other violations. The New York State Police advised motorists to drive responsibly in work zones, Make sure to follow the posted signage, put down any distractions, slow down, and move over to another lane when it is safe to do so. An old pedestrian bridge on Interstate 81 in the town of Dickinson is expected to be removed next month. The State Department of Transportation ordered the walkway closed last January. It connects Old Front Street with Bevere Street near Ossiningo Park. Town Supervisor, Supervisor Michael Marionacho said it's going to be coming down in a couple of weeks. He told WNBF News much of the demolition, demolition work will be done at night. A Western New York firm last month submitted a low bid of $534,000 to remove the bridge. Marionacho said the DOT's Andrew Stiles advised him of the work schedule for the project. 
The town supervisor said it's going to be noisy in Sunrise Terrace for about a week or so while the demolition work is underway. Stiles previously said winter maintenance of the structure had become increasingly hazardous, so the decision was made to close the bridge. A new pathway for pedestrians opened last year as part of the Front Street reconstruction project. A Binghamton man has been charged with burglaries at two residences in the town of Fenton. On Monday, September 18th, sheriff's deputies responded to an address on Shenango Street in the town of Fenton for a burglary complaint. Upon arrival, responding deputies established that the homeowner had found an unknown man in a second-floor office room of his home around 1.30 a.m. The homeowner began yelling for the intruder to leave, at which point the intruder exited the home on foot, traveling toward the intersection of Shenango Street and Nolan Road. The homeowner called 911 after dis discovering that a laptop computer and several other electronics were missing from his residence. Broome County Sheriff's deputies gathered a description of the intruder, which was then shared with dispatch and other nearby responding units. Deputies apprehended an individual matching the suspect's description. In the suspect's possession was a drawstring bag containing the missing laptop and the other items that the victim had reported stolen. As a result of the investigation, Mitchell Paul Jr. of Binghamton was arrested and charged with three Class C felonies and one Class A misdemeanor. New York State Governor Kathy Hochul has signed a bill setting the state's presidential primary for April 2nd, potentially putting former President Donald Trump on the ballot as he stands trial in Manhattan for a hush money criminal case. The new primary date was approved yesterday by Hochul. It could add a new layer to an increasingly chaotic calendar for Trump next year as the Republican front-runner navigates court cases in multiple states while seeking a return to the White House. His New York trial is set to start on March 25th. Though the date could change, it may place Trump in court as the state's Republican voters pick their next presidential candidate. Pennsylvania State Senate wants to move up the state's 2024 primary election by five weeks to March 19. Lawmakers touted the move as a way to avoid a conflict with the Jewish holiday of Passover and to give voters more of a say in decided presidential nominees. The bill passed yesterday 45 to 2, although it still requires passage in the Senate House of Representatives. Under the bill, the primary election would move from April 23rd to March 19th. That date falls after primaries in other big delegate states. Pennsylvania is a premier battleground in the presidential elections, but it hasn't hosted a competitive presidential primary since 2008. A judge in New York has dismissed all charges against a Vermont deputy who was involved in a chaotic sidewalk brawl that ended when he was shot multiple times by police. Judge James Murphy cited prosecutor uh, miscon misconduct and inadequate instructions given to a grand jury in his decision yesterday. The incident took place in Saratoga Springs in November of 2022. Vito Casanova was indicted in March in charges, including attempted murder and possessing a firearm in a sensitive location. He pleaded not guilty. Murphy says that despite the dismissal of charges, the district attorney may present the case to a new grand jury. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. 
This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Bob Joseph, Thursday morning, Binghamton Now, WNBF. 92.1 FM. 1290 AM and streaming at WNBF.com. 607-772-1290 is the number. Do you want to talk? Remember, your call is important to me, so call. Express yourself live at WNBF. Good morning, WNBF. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Jim Baker from the Southern Guarantee Tractor Club. Hmm, I could go for a potato about now. Well, you can down this afternoon. We're going to start digging them this afternoon. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? <laughs> I don't know whether you can dig it or not, but we're going to dig it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jim Baker is from the Southern Tier Antique Tractor Club. Every year they plant potatoes in May, and then September comes around, and it's time to harvest the potatoes. Uh, tell us a little background about this project, which helps to feed people across the Southern Tier. What year did it start? We started the club in 2008, and since we have started the club, we have harvested 171 tons of potatoes that we've donated. That's a lot of potatoes. Well, that's two years. We lost them because they flooded. Uh, We lost them because of floods two years. But other than that, you know, that's 171 ton. Uh, It feeds a lot of people. And so the the field this year is uh, in West Corners, off Route 26. That's correct. It's across from the Church of the Nazarene. And people are allowed p- people are allowed to come and volunteer to help pick some of the potatoes from the the field. Absolutely, we'd love it. We'd love it. All right. They, uh, Seton Catholic kids, they'll be there. Uh, the principal has put notices up throughout Seton Catholic, and we always get a good group from Seton Catholic schools. Two years ago, Bob, I got a kick out of one one young man there. He was picking potatoes up, and he had one held in his hand. He says, well, this is where French fries come from? I said, yes, that's where French fries come from. Well, it is instructive, and as I've said before, uh, a couple of times I I did some potato harvesting, not a whole lot, but it it was um, it was useful. It was a learning experience for me, and also as I observed other people, uh, including uh-huh. um, kids and and their parents or grandparents, it it was also right. it it seemed like a good quality event even if they were only there maybe for an hour to help it it was it was fun fresh air and and people actually were able to do something productive and they they had a good time together well i think the need is so great out there yet today because the cost of living as you know bob has gone up so dramatically and you know anything that we can do to help the community this is why we do this and uh Hopefully we'll have a good harvest this year. We cut back a little bit in what we plant because of the cost of fertilizer, but the fertilizer is the only thing that we have to buy, really. I mean, the fuel that we use for our tractors, the club members donate that when they use their own tractors. 
the potatoes were all donated from Cornell University uh, that we plant. So, you know, but it's still, you know, we, we have to, we do what we can do. That's all we can do. So when would be the best time, say, if listeners want to um, help the most with the uh, potato harvest this year in West Corners off Route 26, what, what would be the best time for people to uh, stop by and pitch in? We're going to start about 9 o'clock in the morning. Uh, the food truck from uh, the food bank out in, in Elmira will be there probably around 10 o'clock in the morning. They'll have their tractor trailer there. And we'll put them in totes, put the potatoes in totes, load them on their truck, and they take them back to Elmira and distribute them throughout six counties. And so that's on Saturday morning? Saturday morning, this Saturday morning. All right. Good Lord willing, by the grace of God, rain will hold off. Yep, keep your finger crossed. Yep. All right. Well, I appreciate the update. Keep me posted. Uh, Why don't you... uh, plan say hopefully on monday to uh call in to give us uh, a report a size up on how things went over the weekend well we're gonna wait till we get a, a wait on them which will probably be maybe tuesday before i get a wait but yeah whenever wait, i'll give you a, i'll give you a call and let you know yeah yeah Appreciate sometime next week all right I jim baker thanks bob thank you jim that's Jim Baker from the Southern Tier Antique Tractor Club. This ongoing initiative to, uh, to help feed those who are in need across the Southern Tier. They've been growing potatoes every summer for a long time, as he mentioned. Sometimes, if it's too wet, you don't get a harvest. That's the reality. You plant something and you hope for the best. But it doesn't always work out for the best. You just do your best. In this case, you plant the, you get the potatoes in the ground in September, and then see how things go. If you get the right combination of uh, moisture and decent weather, you could have a good crop. And sometimes, unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. But they never give up. And they've been doing this year after year. It's a great tradition. I commend them. It's eleven sixteen at News Radio WNBF. Following message sponsored by National Floor Center. National Floor Center, forty six South Washington Street in Binghamton. I drove by there this morning. I drove by right before nine o'clock. I was on my way over here to the beautiful Binghamton Now Tower in the heart of Parlor City, and I drove by. At the corner of the Parkway and South Washington Street, I think they're just getting set to open for the day. Place looks beautiful. I peered in while I was at the the red light there at the intersection. I peered in as uh, they were getting set to open at National Floor Center. If you're planning a flooring project, that's the place to go. A locally owned and operated business, National Floor Center will give you all your options. Carpet, hardwood, tile, and vinyl. Great staff, great people. They'll assist you to make the proper selections so your project will turn out beautifully. They'll listen to what you have in mind, give you product information, even set up the uh, the whole design process, and make arrangements for installers, skilled installers, to do the job. Before you know it, it's a reality. 
That's what they do. National Floor Center. Stop and see their beautiful showroom for yourself. A nice, calm place to make those important decisions for your home. National Floor Center at 46 South Washington Street in Binghamton. More information at nationalfloorcenter.com. It's 1118. I'm Bob Joseph. My number is 607-772-1290. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Save in a big way at Galt Chevrolet. WNBF, WNBF.com at 11.21. And we will be taking more of your phone calls coming up in a few minutes. So if you've been thinking about chatting uh, about whatever, topics of interest in the Triple Cities or New York or Pennsylvania or pretty much anywhere else, we would love to hear from you. That's why we're here. So definitely... Definitely. Between now and noon, think about calling in. Talk about the things that you're thinking of. If you want to talk about the weather, go ahead. Talk about the weather. We're here for you. Whether or not you call, you can listen if you want. Bob Joseph, live Thursday morning, WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. It's 1125. I'm Bob Joseph at News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. And a fundraiser is coming up at Our Lady of Good Counsel Church in West Endicott. A fundraiser for Deacon Tom Harley. And joining us now to talk about it is Father Richard Pryor. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Thanks for letting me come on and kind of share the, the news about our big fundraiser coming up in October. Yeah, it's coming up uh, at the end of the month, uh, October 29th, correct? October 29th from 1130 to 5 p.m. Nice. Well, tell our listeners a little background about Deacon Tom. He's been certainly a part of the community and a big part of Our Lady of Good Counsel for very a very long time. He has been. He's been serving uh, at Our Lady Good Council for over 35 years. Um, the first time I met Deacon Tom was back probably 90, 97. Um, and he, I think he'd been there for about a year. He served in a variety of different capacities at, at Our Lady Good Council. He's been the business manager. He's run our uh, religious education program. Uh, who knows? I can't even imagine the number of funerals and weddings he has officiated, and the number of baptisms <laughs> that he's officiated over those last 35 years. Um, and unfortunately, last year uh, was diagnosed with with cancer and uh, went off to Roswell and Buffalo, and went through some very complicated surgery. Uh, then went through chemotherapy and 
Um, unfortunately, all of that has gone well, and he is on the road to recovery. So we're having this this fundraiser for Deacon Tom to help cover some of the the uh, medical expenses that he's incurred uh, over these last few months, uh, just to help alleviate some of that that stress of um, having to worry about having to, how to how you're going to pay for all this stuff. Uh, so we're going to have this fundraiser on Sunday, October 29th from 11.30 to 5 p.m. And part of that fundraiser will be a spaghetti dinner. It will be. We'll have a spaghetti dinner with desserts. There'll be a bake sale. We have live entertainment with a local DJ, Jim Freeze, coming out. Prishner, he's, gonna, uh, he's also going to be the MC. Uh, silent auctions, all sorts of uh, great uh, opportunities to, to bid on some uh, items. We've got televisions. Um, Ellis Brothers have donated a beautiful Persian rug and some household items, a wine rack, lottery baskets, sports themes, and all sorts of stuff. So we're very excited. Well, that's great. Jim Free, who used to be one of my co-workers, I know he lives uh, very close to the church. So, uh, you know, it, obviously I think he'll probably just be able to walk down to the church to yeah. help. <laughs> it's, that's usually what he does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, I'm, I'm glad he's, he's part of this special fundraiser. It sounds like it'll be uh, an important time for the church and for the West Endicott community and, and all the people here in, in Broome and Tioga counties who uh, may have gotten to know Deacon Tom over the years. Yes, he's just been a big uh, contributor to the community in a, in a wide variety of range. You know, he's he's run our CYO basketball program for many years. He's been a big leader in peace and justice in the community. Um, now he's fighting this cancer. We just want to give him some support and um, help him kind of alleviate the stress of uh, some of the expenses that he's incurred. So again, the fundraiser will take place on Sunday, October 29th at Our Lady of Good Counsel Church on West Main Street in Endicott. It's the church that many people may know uh, being virtually across the street from the Enjoy Golf Course. That's correct. Right across the street from Enjoy, the plenty of parking right across the street. Absolutely. Conveniently located, easy to get to, easy in, easy out. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people will look forward to attending this special fundraiser for Deacon Tom Harley. I wish him and his family all the best during uh, these challenging times. And I'm, I'm sure that he has uh, the strength, especially knowing he has the support of, of the people at Our Lady of Good Counsel and the people across the Binghamton area. Well, thanks, Bob, and I'll certainly extend your support to Deacon Tom and his family. I'm sure they'll really appreciate that. Well, thank you. Father Richard Pryor, pastor at Our Lady of Good Counsel Church in West Endicott. I hope you have a good day. Thanks, Bob, and thanks for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's 1129. This is Bob Joseph on a Thursday morning. This is WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available on the convenient WNBF app. WNBF live at 11.33. You 
get a fast car And I got a plan to get us out of here Been working at the convenience store Managed to save just a little bit of money Won't have to drive too far Just across the border and into the city And you and I can both get jobs Finally see what it means to be living Vinny from Binghamton, you're on the air Hey, good morning, uh, Bob Hey, you know, I um, I think uh, one of your callers talked about this yesterday, and it was, um, I think it was Martin from Binghamton. He talked about Rudy Giuliani. And um, I think they were talking about where he owes his, his lawyer all this money now and back pay. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've just, I've said this before, you know, it, it is, it's a, it's a dang shame to see this man just fall from grace. And I was, I was reading an article, um, actually it was his, Wife, his last wife. The man's been married three times. They've all been failed marriages, and it was uh, Judith, Judith Giuliani, and she talks about you know that that's not the uh, old Rudy I married, and she said you know, and the question was, well, where did he start going down? It was right after that election, right after the election that he ran for in two thousand eight, and he lost. She said he he felt he was beloved by the nation. He was devastated. He was devastated when he ran. It was difficult for him, and he started drinking. And, you know, we've got another another woman coming forward, Ms. Hutchison, say what he did. And uh, I know it's until proven guilty, but, boy, I'll tell you, those patterns are just so straight. They're so consistent with this guy. And it's like, I don't know if he starts drinking and he gets, you know, he, he's it's almost like he's a predator now and he thinks he can get away with it. Well, alleged. He's an alleged predator. He hasn't admitted to any predatory behavior. Well, you know, I, I think that's the thing of all those people down there in the White House, all those hundreds and thousands of people. She's going to pick Rudy Giuliani. I wonder why. I got another girl that just sued him, too, when she was working for him. Same actions. Hand up underneath the skirt. Alleged. You know, alleged. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, alleged. And, alleged. You know, yeah, yeah. I, you're just making it up. I, 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 I heard him. He was on uh, a radio program yesterday, and he denied it. Oh, I know. He was on the radio. He denied it during a live yeah. interview. Yeah. And, and, you know, like I said, and does, does he remember his embarrassing situation when he was encountering the hotel room with that actress who was working undercover for the comedian? Well, he got that on film. But maybe he was just yeah. acting. Maybe maybe he's a better actor than he is a prosecutor. I think it's a Bulbert thing, Bob. You know, I didn't oh. do anything. I was there just sitting really nice. Oh, you would have to go and ruin the program. I don't mind talking about Rudy Giuliani or the former guy or the former guy oh. junior. I don't want to talk about her today. I mean, yesterday, well, yesterday we focused on her personal proclivities. And, and again... You know, she apologized, kind of, so, you know, till the next time. You know, what well, What we have to worry about, I think, is she is free as an American citizen. Not only does she legislate in the District of Columbia, and certainly she probably spends some time in her home state of Colorado, but she certainly is free to travel. She could wind up here in Binghamton or, or even in Endwell at some point over the weekend. And then what? Well, well, here's my thing, Bob. We always have calls on this program talking about our tax dollars. All our tax dollars at work. 
we pay all these congressmen and women. We, they are looked at. They have to understand what their job is. So when something like this happens, that's not our fault. We have to stop making excuses for these actions. We do. Could you imagine you, Bob, if you had all these allegations against you? you I wouldn't be. T- I'd be talking to n- nothing right now. You'd be gone because those are the standards that we set. So why are we changing all these standards for these these congressmen and women? Oh, well, you know, there, I heard a caller the other day. And it was a Trumper. I'm not going to mention the name. Oh, well, you know, she's going through a divorce. Oh, my God. All those people in there. Uh, it's, it's just excuses after excuses after excuses. And I just wanted to say after a while, you know, these people, if they weren't who they were, they'd be in jail or they'd be gone. And it's, it's just it's just sad. It's sad. Well, and I would like say I said, this, and I think mm-hmm. it's pretty safe. If, if I behaved like Lauren Boebert did, or for that matter, if somebody works at the dollar store and they behaved like she did and they caught it yep. on camera, they'd be mm-hmm. fired, I think. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine that, Bob? Yeah, Just but, Bob but you're, you're a member of Congress. <laughs> well, and that, oh, that's There's, another thing. That's yeah. right. She, she was trying to do her, you know, cheap imitation of Vice President Nelson Rockefeller, at least when he did it. He got um, a nice picture out of it, thanks to Don Black from the um, Evening Press. You know, that her, yeah. her fingers caught on grainy video. The vice president and former governor of New York State, Rocky, yeah. he uh, he at least had the temerity to do it while um, an authorized, uh, back when they actually had photojournalists working for newspapers. I mean, if that happened today, say if, uh, and I know this sounds unseemly, but say if Vice President Kamala Harris came to uh, the Greater Binghamton Airport today and was heckled by a bunch of uh, Binghamton University students and she tried to communicate in that sort of twisted digital fashion, nobody would catch it because there'd be no reporters or photographers there. Yeah, true. Well, you know, and, that's, and, the, and, that's I, the reality. It would never have been caught for posterity. I mean, hey, I don't condemn the, the late, great Nelson Rockefeller for resorting to that. He was under a lot of pressure because those... Uh, hippies from SUNY Binghamton apparently were communicating with him. By the way, they they used to be his constituents because he was governor, so he should have been able to take it with with grace as a as a, a former governor of New York. Actually, they were his constituents still because he is vice president of the United States, and he had the nerve to do that though, while Robert Dole was in the background. That was captured in the photo. I mean, the, there's award-winning photojournalism. Yeah, yeah, actually, that's, that's true. And Bob, let me, let me just say this last last point, and I'll uh, move on. You know, uh, I, I just want to answer some of the caller uh, who called in a while ago and talked about bobbleheads, Vinnie bobbleheads, because me and you were having a conversation and lo and behold, we agreed on certain things. Uh, oh, by the way, oh, a lot of people find that really irritating, just confidentially. You may not realize yeah. this. A lot of people are really irritated that the host often seems to agree with you. Yeah, well, you know why? I, I just want to explain to them. Is that because I, I don't think they understand what when two people are talking and they actually agree. Most of the time it's because it's common sense. 
You never hear me get on here and, oh, Bob, you know, you, you got a little conservative. You never hear me accuse you of doing that stuff. But no, every time you don't agree with somebody, you are instantly called a liberal. Every time. Well, that's what, like, you know, that's what, if I can be honest with you, that's what hurts most. It's just because yep. sometimes I express an opinion that's not aligned with Dan Bongino or Sean Hannity or Mark Levin or the Red Eye guys. Sometimes people are calling me a liberal, and I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm a realist. I'm not affiliated I, with any party. I don't have an agenda. Yeah, but they, they, don't, they don't believe it. I've heard you on this program go after Cuomo so many times. And sometimes even no. Joe Biden, the man from Scranton, yep. sometimes I will take to yep. task. I've done it before, and sadly, I'll do it again because I am not affiliated with any, any they party. Don't like it. Or, yeah, they and, don't like and, it. and, and, hey, it's just the way it is. I call it the way I see it. You don't have to agree, but don't, don't be upset and don't categorize me. Sometimes I wonder if they think you just when you get done with your show, Bob, you just live there. You got a cot there and you know you know, you, you don't do any journalism. You don't go out here on the streets and find out what's really going on. You don't go out for these interviews and talk to different people. Been doing this for years. Years. Bob, you don't know it. No, that's not how it is. <laughs> and the bottom line is, look, even here's the perhaps astonishing truth, and I know some some of the critics may find this hard to believe, but even of, of some of the people who do not appear on the program at all, either you know, never have appeared or just no longer appear, the reality is when I'm out of the studio, see, I'm only in the studio for three hours a day. For the other 19, wait, I can't do math, the other 21 hours a day, I'm out of here, man. So I could be out anywhere in the tri-state area covering news. And the interesting thing, and I think it's worth pointing out, at least on occasion, virtually everybody, including those who don't, don't appear on the show, will still talk with me. And and I ask questions. Yep. I mean, we, we actually, and some people say, you're making that up. No, we actually have a, a very good, uh, at least professional rapport. We may, we may not be hanging out. You know, it's not like... Right. Hey, Mayor, or hey, Chief, let's go uh, grab some wings or something or have a cup of coffee. We may not be socializing, but in all of our endeavors, I mean, it's extremely unusual if, say, out at uh, where a story's going on, where the people, whether they're elected officials or school administrators or whatever, when I'm working on a story and it's not on the program, we have, uh, I think, a very very good relationship, a good rapport that does, that is productive, that actually helps people get information. So, you know, I, yep, I may, said that many times. Yeah. Too. And I may, you, you know, sometimes I may make a thing about, well, so-and-so doesn't appear. Hey, you know, in the end, I respect it. And I, and by the way, in most cases, I actually understand <laughs> their reasoning and, and yet we still um, get along. They don't have to be on the program to, help help provide essential information for for the residents and uh, you know just so people know i mean you hear a lot of times some of the stories that i do you know yeah. uh, officials who are not on the program actually are quoted in my stories and it's not because a lot of times because they put out a statement or was at a news conference it's because i'm at a particular story 
and I chat with them and get the information. It's, it, it, it does actually work out very, very well. And I'm, you know, I'm appreciative for when that happens. You know, there's no, yeah. there's no, nothing, nothing, nothing compels anyone to ever be on the program. And, and by the way, you know, the program goes on. The program goes right. on, you know, local topics or national topics. I mean, the, we have callers. We never run out of topicality. There is never a day where I come in and say, gosh, there's going to be absolutely nothing to talk about. There's always something to talk about. So, you know, some days yesterday we had no guests. Today we had three guests. It, it varies. The show isn't right. driven by guests. It's driven by a combination of the callers and some guests and just sort of things that are even happening. I mean, imagine, if you will, Vinny, my shock when I learned that, that Rupert Murdoch is stepping down from his media empire. I mean, that happened during the program. And, yeah, and yet, you know, it's, it's, this is, that's transformational. I, I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not one of those, what do they call them, uh, psychics, but I can predict uh -huh. that story will be on the front page of the New York Times tomorrow with Rupert Murdoch leaving his exalted post in, in charge of the, the media empire, News Corp and um, Fox, and that's a big story. And, and it happened right on the air, and I have to react to it. It's, it sometimes wow. is very emotional. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, as far as Rupert goes, I think, um, and I've said this before, Fox News, when they first started out, they were good. They were good. They 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 did the conservative side, you know. Um, they were, and then I said something about that war in Kuwait. The, 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 uh, something happened after to that station. After that, I don't know what happened. They just went to the to the wild side, and just just not. It, it wasn't news anymore. It was nonsense. Yeah, but the, it's the about Bill the money. But it was uh, yeah, about the money. They 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 stumbled. That's exactly what happened. They stumbled on a formula that was wildly yep. successful with with the likes of O'Reilly and Hannity and even who's the judge? The one the judge who you likes both, to drive. Um, um, yeah, um, we I won't mention her name it. because of HIPAA. Speed racer. <laughs> yeah, one nineteen. <laughs> but uh, you know, you get this combination, this frothy combination, including even Geraldo, who finally quit in a huff. I mean, that's bad. Uh -huh. You know things are bad at, at the Fox News Channel, and even Geraldo can't take it anymore. So he quit yep. in a huff. And, so, and now the baton is handed over from Rupert Murdoch to his delightful uh -huh. son, Lachlan. And as I said, and I mean it sincerely, I wish both of them all the best in their future endeavors. Yep, yep. Bob, you remember Tony Snow? I do. Yeah. Conservative, yeah, he was good. He was great. D talked about, yeah, but no, they're gone. They they got rid of them guys. Yeah. Oh. Well, Chris Wallace finally quit. Yeah. Um, oh, I can't think of her name. She's now uh, an investigative correspondent for CBS News. Catherine Harris. Yeah. She was on Fox. Yeah. You know, yeah. all all not all many, if not most, of the really good, powerful journalists and commentators who were with the Fox operation eventually just gave up. Sadly, it makes me sad because they were, they were doing the best they could. Thank you. Even who's the, uh, the other guy? Now I can't even think of his name. He quit. And he was a, a powerful opinionator.
And even he couldn't take it anymore. It's 1149. This is Bob Joseph on your Thursday morning on WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. Joseph live on WNBF. Let's go back to the phones. Vestal, Bob, you're on the air. One of my favorite songs. Isn't that great? Warren Zevon. He was good. He had a, a lot of good stuff. What a talent. Oh, I got a challenge for you and your big buddy Benny there. If you spend one day knocking the Democrats like you do the Republicans, I'll bet you he'd never call here again. You and him are like, oh, yes, mm-hmm, yes, yes, mm-hmm. It's sickening the way you people agree on everything. I've never heard you say to that guy, well, what about this? What about all the crooked stuff those Democrats are doing? And you people do not see it. I quit. I quit listening to that. But today I happened to be coming. Some I turned the radio on, and there he was. Don't you people see the other side? I see all sides. I no, you don't. And you're a liberal. Don't give me that. I'm not a liberal. (laughs) You got to be kidding me. I'm a conservative. I'm proud of it, but I don't lie about I'm it. Proud, you know, I'm a proud American. I, I am. Yeah, you can't. Right. You, you can't. America. You can't. You hate America. No, no. I love America more no. than you ever, ever have. Yeah, right. Come on. I am so patriotic. I would no, bleed. No, you're not. You. If you were patriotic, if, you if would. I, I, if I mean figuratively, I would bleed red, white, and blue. Not literally, figuratively. You agree with what's going on right now? You are not an American. I agree with everything that's going on right now. The investigations. One thing I don't agree on, and and you have to admit, you have to admit, this is a sad, sad commentary, this whole impeachment inquiry. I mean, come on, man. An impeachment inquiry? There you go. You're sticking up for him again. I'm not sticking up for him. I'm saying now is not the time to have an impeachment inquiry. Why not, Bob? Wait until after he wait until after he's reelected next year. This is premature. You are a sick man, you know that. I'm saying if if there's enough evidence after there he's reelected right because he's liable to get reelected with 10 million votes over whoever his challenger is, if if he does anything that appears to be criminal in nature, wait until the second term. I'm telling you, man, something, something ain't right in your brain. I'll tell you that right now. My brain is wired perfectly. And remember, I didn't hang up. Sometimes people say, oh, I heard you hang up. No. Why would I hang up on him? He's my biggest fan. 
So, no. It, it, I'll just, we could chalk it up to a phone problem, but he got tired. He got tired of me saying that I am looking at the big picture. I don't see where America gains a, a darn thing. And pardon my French, I don't see where we gain a darn thing by having an impeachment inquiry so close to the presidential election. It's almost, it seems to me that the people who are interested in staging an impeachment inquiry at this point, it seems to me that it's politically motivated. That's what it seems. That's how it looks. So, and I think that's, that poses a problem, a potential problem with the timing. Now, as far as uh, the trials for the former guy, I mean, those, those trials have to move forward, and they may have to move forward expeditiously. I heard that uh, there's a possibility of uh, one of the former guy's trials being held in New York State in April, perhaps at the same time that the primary <laughs> is underway. Now, that, that would be interesting. Um, because Kathy Hochul just signed the uh, legislation, I believe, designating, I have to look this up, April 2nd. So New York primary will be April 2nd, sadly, just two months after the Groundhog Day. So the primary in New York will be April 2nd, but it says here that some people are worried that when the presidential primary is held in New York State, former President Donald Trump could be standing trial in Manhattan in what they call a hush money criminal case. This is according to AP. It says the primary date could add a new layer to an increasingly chaotic calendar for Trump as the Republican front runner attempts to navigate court cases in multiple states while he seeks to return to the White House. His New York trial is set to begin March 25th, and though the date could change, it may set up a very interesting scenario in which the former president might find himself in court as Republican voters in the state are picking their next presidential candidate. So that would be an intriguing turn of events. But I will say, if the trial is underway, I'm sure that the trial would be off on, on Tuesday, April 2nd, on primary day. So the members of the jury and the judge and the legal staff could all vote in the primary if they wanted to. So the trial could be underway. It could take a break on Tuesday, on the primary election day, and then resume on Wednesday morning, the day after the primary. Well, that would be a delicious turn of events. This is Bob Joseph. Sadly, my time here is gone for now, but I'll be back tomorrow morning right here on WNBF.